Okay, AK Lead Heads, we are back with season two of the Talking Lead AK Corner, and this is episode eight. And we're going to be talking about the Galil this episode. So, Ma Nishma, which is what's up in uh, Israeli. <laughs> Ma Nishma, everybody. Uh, joining us today, we've got a, a whole room full of experts and AK lovers. I'll start from my left to my right uh, with our presenting sponsor, Century Arms. We've got our good buddy Jason, director of sales over there at Century and all things Century with the with the Canic, the Red Army Standard, the U.S. Palm. Uh, they got it going on. So welcome in, Jason. Thanks. And Jason's been on the show before. He's been on several times. Uh, we had you on at SHOT Show. So you guys go back to our SHOT Show episodes. We had Jason on. And then also from Century, we've got our good buddy, no stranger to the show. You guys know him. You love him. It's our buddy, Andrew. Howdy, Marty. How you doing today? Also known as Drew. Doing good, buddy. Thanks for joining us. And everybody, I guess all you guys are social distancing. You're all working from home. Has anybody started your your office work back yet? Not yet. Nope. No, still at the house as usual. Still quarantined, huh? Okay. Uh, also joining us uh, for this special episode of the Galil, we thought we might get somebody on here who knows something about Galils. Uh, so we went to the company themselves, IWI. We've got Jeremy Gresham. He's the Director of Sales and Marketing with IWI. Jeremy? What's going on, guys? How are y'all? Yeah, I appreciate you joining us. I uh, know you're limited on time, so we've only got Jeremy here for a short period. So we're going to try to rush and get him in and get his knowledge in. Uh, and then a, a visitor from last season, season one, uh, we've got our good buddy Marco Vorbiv who is the executive director of U.S. Arm Nord. He's also an author. He's written uh, a couple of books specifically on the AK-47, the history of the AK, uh, and countless articles uh, in numerous gun publications. So, Marco, welcome in again, buddy. Nice to be here again. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I was very pleased to hear that you uh, you had time to, to join us, especially for this episode. And you and I had a lot of uh, time during Shot Show. We did rode the bus together to Range Day, and uh, I didn't realize how much of a historian just on firearms that you were. So, really looking I'm, forward I'm, to this. I'm embarrassed even sometimes. I'm uh, like a you know <laughs> people call other people geeks and nerds and stuff. I'm I'm a historian nerd. <laughs> You're yeah, a gun historian a, nerd. Huh? Not only gun, but any kind of military history and stuff. And just kind of like a bookworm when it comes down to something. And as if there's a white spot, a gray spot, and uh, something that I don't know. I pick as many books as I can to, to read it and find out about it. It's kind of embarrassing to the point. <laughs> well, I think our listeners are going to love it and appreciate it. So you're uh, you're welcome here. Always. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you guys didn't get a chance, make sure you go back to last episode. We talked about uh, zeroing your AK-47. And uh, we had our good buddy Brian with Occam Defense Solutions, uh, who has joined us every episode except this one. He's fallen ill, and it's not the COVID. Uh, he doesn't have the COVID. He's just got some sort of stomach thing that's jacked him up. So he won't be joining us this episode, but he will be sorely missed. But let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about it. So, Jeremy... Yep. IWI, formerly IMI, 
when the when the Galil first came out, you guys were known as IMI. Talk about the the history of of your company. Mm-hmm. Um, IMI has been in business uh, just over 80 years now. Uh, in 2005, a gentleman who was part of IMI purchased it and founded IWI. His name is Sammy Kitsoff. Uh, and he started uh, what is SK, and they own Meprolite US and International, a company called Camaro, which is uh, see through wall technology type systems, um, and a big shipyard corporation. So we go in and rent and build shipyards, and then also IWI. Uh, in 2013, IWI US was founded, and we've been off to the race ever since. Um, it's kind of the quick skinny of it for the most part, but yeah. Very cool. So uh, I want to talk about the, the history, and, and the, the reason we're talking about the Galil is this is a variant of the, the AK-47. So that's why this fits into the, the Talking Lead AK corner, in case some of you are wondering you know, why are we talking about the Galil. Uh, let's kind of let's kind of start off with some history and Marco. Let's get your take on the history of how the the Galil came to be. All right, it's definitely uh, the pedigree of a gun is uh, is hard to argue about. It definitely takes its roots in the in the AK stable, so to speak. However, you know there's been uh, a work done, uh, development work done, and uh, and somebody who would you know, uh, accustomed to AK platform would look at it and see the differences that Galil actually sports, you know, as, as compared to the, uh, the standard AK design. And the history was back in the, um, and this is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, uh, uh, Jeremy, I guess, uh, as far as the wars, all these little wars that Israel fought back in the late 50s and early 60s. Uh, through the 60s, pretty much. And I, I believe it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was Six, six Day War, when uh, it was on Sinai and uh, against the Egyptians and stuff, who at the time were armed with the uh, Fals, you know, FN Fals type rifles. And although a uh, formidable gun, and, uh, you know, at that time, a lot of countries wielded those, uh, uh, those platforms, uh, it was also found that, you know, it kind of uh, a was capricious in the way of um, operation in the uh, desert type of uh, dusty kind of environment. At the time, uh, also Israeli defense force was consisting uh, of a lot of conscripts who had a limited time to train or whatnot. But uh, however, it wasn't. I mean, in the right set of circumstances, uh, FNFAL is a formidable gun. It was a good gun, a liable prop, uh, I mean, a viable platform. However, it wasn't to the uh, satisfaction of, uh, of a U.S. defense, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Israeli defense force. And then at the same time, they captured thousands uh, upon thousands of Egyptian Soviet-made uh, AK-47s and the new AKMs as well, AKM rifles, right. thousands of them. And they, then they went through, after the war was over, and uh, they went through the testing. They wanted to evaluate uh, the uh, the enemy's armament and stuff, and they went through the AKs uh, and they tested and stuff, and they found it that they were a little bit more wieldable, I guess, uh, easy to... Uh, wheeled and, and, and more mobile, and, uh, yeah. they're mobile, they're shorter, 
they don't kick back, they, uh, they fire the intermediate cartridge and so on and so on. So uh, the, uh, the uh, I guess, contest was issued, uh, the tender was issued to produce domestically designed and developed weapons. And uh, several, of course, the uh, the guy who created the uh, Uzi participated in that. Somebody else, somebody else, some farm, uh, some uh, very well respected uh, gun uh, designers and manufacturers. Even the but, U.S. Uh, had a, a submission. The, they had the Stoner sixty three and the M sixteen A one. Exactly. In fact, in fact, they just then start providing the M sixteens and. Uh, platform rifles because the money was coming from the U.S. as well. So, but nevertheless, apart from that, that the Israelis also developed their own platform, and where they found it was in Finland. And the Finland at the time with their Valmet uh, gun RK62, that uh, they kind of went through the same process. They wanted to find the most reliable gun for themselves for for their military after the World War II, and they chose the AK. And, uh, of course, they didn't go into the Russians, although they bought a lot of Soviet uh, whip weaponry directly from Soviet Union, such as the PKM machine guns, SVD rifles, uh, BTR-60 and 70 uh, APCs, BMPs, and so on and so on. For some reason, with the gun, they went to Poles, to Polish um, defense industries, and actually got a license from Poland to manufacture the AK-47 platform. But at the time, the AK-47 was already in the way out, and new modern AKM, modernized gun, was already in. Mm -hmm. So the Poles were, you know, well, you want the license for some old thing, so here it is. And, uh, and of course, the Finns, they, they did it, what they did, what the Finns do best, they took a gun and they improved it. Uh, well, improved it, they changed it to suit their needs, you know, as far as like uh, lightening up uh, um, uh, the receiver, uh, milled receiver, uh, making a better barrel, so they claim it's a barrel, be uh, better barrel, and a few other th things. Mm -hmm. The the sights and being one of the major things? The sights, the, the flesh hider, and other things, so like tubular, ridiculous-looking stock and things like that. But, <laughs> and but Jeremy, anyway, Jeremy, feel free to jump in anytime. Oh, am I, am I so, doing good? <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Oh, but, do, but, but do correct me, please, because oftentimes <laughs> I might wonder to... Um, I mean, you could not have said it better. And my puppy's barking at me now. Concurs. All your right. puppy concurs. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, puppy. And uh, so anyway, uh, the Finns and the Israelis, uh, and I'm not familiar, maybe Jeremy can uh, comment on uh, on the uh, what type of deal it was, but uh, uh, the very first Galil rifles. And of course, you know, whenever somebody buy, uh, buys a license and starts manufacturing um the, the guns, they also consider the needs of their military, and they'll make those changes. Like, they immediately improved on the stock, for example, right? So, the, the, the design of a stock. And um, anyway, so, but however, the very first Galils were actually built on RK-62 receivers and using the Finnish machinery and tooling that they bought from Finns. And... Uh, and then from then on, they, uh, you know, developed their own manufacturing of the uh, receivers. And basically, that's how the gun was born. And then the, maybe Jeremy can comment on the further development of, uh, 
of uh, uh, Galil from that point on into modern day. So, and I'm uh, the modern from modern state. I understand that IWI still brings the newly manufactured Galils today yeah, into the, the states. Or the yeah, the. Uh Aces, what, the aces. Right. One important thing to note, uh, the difference between the Finnish R R RC-62 gun versus the Galil. Obviously, the uh, Israelis adopted the 223 Remington or, or 5.56 by 45 NATO round. And uh, so the, from uh, onset, the Galils were designed to fire that particular round versus the Finns actually adopted... 762 by 39 Russian M43 round. So that's the that's the biggest uh, I guess part of development that Israelis had to overcome to create the gun. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay, that was so, a pretty good uh, history there. That was good. Yeah. So the only thing that I've should add to that um, from talking with people that I've talked to, the elders there at IWI, is that really they originally wanted the weapon system in 308, but felt that uh, the increased recoil and the limited magazine capacity, that they felt like they were um, undergunned uh, against any, any, any particular entity that would try to go into Israel. Hold your mic up if you could. All right, that one. Um, so they decided to opt for the 762 by 39, um, but then still built it in 308 and built it into their sniper system, uh, and then adopted the 545 and the 556, uh, and they even done 30 carbine uh, wow. in, in various cases. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's that's verbatim the the history of the Galil and. Uh, and they continue to build uh, on that, and then they updated it to the Galil Ace uh, with some other features, um, left side charging handle, moving it from the right side, um, thumb release sa or thumb activated safety, right hand shooter, but still kept the left hand safety, typical AK safety, and some other ideas some there. But uh, and then well, you went I'm with the polymer also on the Ace. You went uh, from full metal production to a, a hybrid. Yeah, so you'd be shocked how hard it is to actually get certain types of metal into Israel. Um, even today, um, there are countries that just refuse to sell to Israel, um, and some of that is metal-producing companies. So polymer is one of the things that Israel can get their hands on fairly quickly, but they don't compromise on the integrity of the build. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've, we have purchased machines here in the U.S. for IWI U.S. and had to sign agreements that these machines could never go to Israel. And it has nothing to do with export or anything in that nature. It's simply just because they're a Jewish sovereign nation. Huh. That's interesting. So, now, another thing that you guys added on the uh, the ACE, the modern uh, Galil, is the uh, the little cover that goes over the... Uh, yeah. The... the, the like the dust cover the type dust thing cover, or the yeah. uh, top rail. Talk about yeah. that. Um, Israel's got a lot of desert. So their mindset was, uh, uh, can we, how do we take what, you know, the M4 or the M16 that they saw that had some type of cover, dust cover, and cover up the action to ensure no debris gets inside of there uh, in their mind, making the weapon system more sustainable in 
various environments and things of that nature. Um, teams work pretty well on the ACE. Uh, I think as of right now, there's just over 50 countries running the ACE system as their primary weapon system. Oh, wow. So, uh, and the Philippines just purchased another 30,000 of the H21N, which is our 5.56 AR-15 magazine uh, machine gun. So, and here in the United States, uh, there's several law enforcement uh, departments, the Ventura County Sheriff's Departments, uh, running them. Yep. Uh, you probably have several more. This is just what I'm seeing on uh, Wikipedia here. Yeah, we've got quite a few running them. A lot of like near the border right and mm. you get closer to mexico texas area uh running the, the you know the the ak variant style weapon systems in general uh but also wanting that 556 caliber and let's face it um 556 magazine compatibility and ammunition cost yeah so so is that is it pretty much compatible with uh your standard 556 ar-15 magazine 223 so like the mag so the and all those will work in it. Yep. So we ship with the Mag five seven one, the Gen three P Mag thirty round. Uh, that's what we ship with. Okay. And then you know, um, there's videos of me running D sixty Surefire hundreds, um, pretty much anything and everything that'll go in there. That'll, that'll run in an M four. It'll run in in that one. That's cool. Well, I found this interesting, too. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Rajneesh Purim Peace Force back in the 80s. They were kind of like a, uh, was that Waco, that Waco, Texas guy? Oh, yeah. It was that, um, that uh, like, yogi cult thing in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they actually was in Oregon. Oh, Oregon. That's right. They moved to Oregon. Yeah. They yeah. had a bunch of Gleals and Uzis and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a interesting claim to fame for the Galil there, as those guys were rocking those back in that day. So the Galil, I mean, just talking about like if we're going to talk about other people that use it, it's really prolific in uh, in sketchy places. You'll notice um, all over in Central America, South America, uh, all all the you know Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, all those people bought Galils. Uh, you know, the Israelis have always been. Uh, you know, big exporters of firearms, and uh, they don't—they're not bound to some of the laws that the U.S. is when it comes to exportation. So, um, a lot of the big '80s drug cartels, Galil's were huge, as were you know FARC and some of the other people in Colombia. Um, a lot of people had Galil's. You know, like I think uh, Myanmar um, has Galil's that they mm -hmm. built off pattern. Um, there's several other, you know. Less, less than uh, savory regimes that have used them. Of course, the South Africans made their own version of the Galil um, as well. I don't know if that was actually licensed by the Israelis or not, but it was certainly a Galil. Um, so, yeah, you'll definitely find Galils. Wherever you find sketch, you, Galils seem to uh, pop up. Well, it's like the AK-47, you know. They kind of get that, that, that bad rap as being the, the enemy's gun. but uh... Well, no, the Galils are on both sides. I mean, you look, literally, yeah. you look at Columbia... The police were using them. FARC was using them. The drug cartels were using them. Everybody had had Galils. Yeah. Well, it, it's sort of like those sketchy organizations like FARC and stuff. You know, they would ambush, uh, resupply convoy, or make a little assault on the on some kind of uh, the the store, uh, you know, base or whatever or supply base, and they arm themselves with the stuff. So that's why you get them on both sides. But yeah. 
Yeah, South Africa, incidentally, is actually making them under license from Israel. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was licensed or not licensed. I didn't know. I just, it's pretty much a Galil. <laughs> it is a Galil. It's like to the T, yeah. Yeah, it's basically a Galil for all intents and purposes. Um, the other thing, of course, you know, if we're going to talk about Galils, we've got to talk about American Galils. Um, you know, we've been bringing in parts kits from uh, Israel uh, for years now. Of course, Century Arms, we made uh, our Galil for a long time. Jason, when was the last time we had uh, our Galil available? It's it's been, a, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been probably six or seven years. Uh, you know, we got we got a big uh, slug of those parts sets for the Galil and the Galani uh, that we had, and uh, you know, we burned through them pretty fast. There was a lot of excitement around the guns, and and uh, haven't uh, haven't seen any in a while. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of parts kits out there though. So you see other companies that are building off parts kits with their own receivers and some modifications here or there, but um, Galil still pop up and, you know, you can still find our, our Galanis out there uh, for sale. So if any of the listeners are looking for a Galil, you can, you can get one in the U S and uh, in a semi-automatic version. Um, five, five, six ones are pretty easy to come by. Three Oh eights are very hard to come by and very expensive, but they are out there and you can find them. Yeah. Yep. This episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2 is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam love the AK, but didn't love burning their hands, getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS-1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at Solutions. So let's talk about some of the, so the AK, you know, it's based off the AK-47. Let's talk about what the Galil has gone in and improved uh, over the AK-47. And I think Jeremy hit some of the, or Marco hit some of the key things when he was going over the history there, talking about the barrel, the sights, um, mm-hmm. the the actual it's metal a, it is components. A, it's a it's an interesting amalgamation. When, you know, you think about the operating system of the of the gun. You know, the AK was was made to work, and and its claim to fame is its reliability. And the uh, the Galil, uh, you know, shares all the commonality that makes the gun very reliable. But then it took it to the next level in some ways on a lot of different stuff. I mean, you get a better sighting system. I don't think anybody would argue that the, the sighting system on a Galil is better than AK. It's longer. It's you know, it's got it's just got a better setup, yeah. right? Uh, and then uh, you know, uh, then you you have an easier to work uh, safety system. You still maintain the the dust cover uh, that was you know one of the things that that made the AK reliable is keeping all the crap out of the system. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, you, you just made the gun a bit more ergonomic. Uh, so, you know, you're kind of getting the, the best of both worlds, uh, you know, in that sense. And, uh, you know, you see uh, people today, you know, from, just from, from our side with, uh, you know, the AKs. I mean, Jeremy and I uh, have uh, kind of friendly uh, competitions out at the uh, shooting matches here. And you see, you know, tons of guys with Galils and Galil Aces and stuff that they've done stuff to. And then you see just as many guys out there with AKs that they've gone and done some of the exact same types of things that the Israelis did with Galil right. to an AK. They, they did things to make it more ergonomic. They did things to free float the barrel with the, uh, you know, stuff like the Occam, rail uh, systems system. on there. 
you had new types of safeties with the Krebs safeties and, you know, all, all those types of modifications, better magwells and all that. So, you know, while the Galil is, is not an AK, uh, you know, it is one of those kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's more a hybrid of a lot of different stuff. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things that um, a lot of people have to understand is that, you know, they took, they took a great rifle and they made it better. You know, they, they took all the things that you know, perceived as flaws on it, and then th they made it better. Now, when you go and do that, you increase what? You increase your cost, which makes it more expensive. So a lot of people are like, you know, Galils are like you know, $2,000, $1,800, $3,000. But if you go and you took an AK and you did all that stuff to it, you know, you, you buy your $800 AK, then you're getting on up in there into, into that price range where you could buy stock Galil that's, you know, already got all that stuff and, what are you laughing at, Marco? <laughs> I don't think you're gonna hit three thousand dollars today. Well, not three thousand, uh, unless you uh, unless you put like a canceled scope on it or something like that. <laughs> but you can you can get an upwards of about fifteen sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, with you can all get the two thousand easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. That's that's you, you know people people start really getting into it, and I think you know as I said, I mean Jeremy and I work for for competing uh, companies for a certain space of the market but you're going to have the guys you know who come to us who really want the traditional ak uh you know th that looks like the ones that they've seen in the movies over the years and then you're going to get the uh you know the other guys who are more on the daring side and and are going to buy things like the galil ace uh yeah he's got one of them above, above them up there that are you know that are that are looking for some of that you know more you know different kind of advancement so it's kind of like there's you know there's always going to be ar guys and there's always going to be ak guys and then there's then you've got these galil you know and galil ace guys that are kind of in the center but so. yeah, that, there, there he goes <laughs> throwing his galil out there <laughs> but then you got just gun guys like we are i mean we like all kinds of guns we like them all yeah so let, let's yeah. let's go to some of the listener questions. Go ahead, Jeremy. I'm going to go to some of the listener questions. But go ahead. Mark nah, he, he's got his. Yeah, he does. I got him everywhere. And I'm not going to brag about what's hanging on the back there. No, I see that. That's <laughs> oh yeah, really nice. So we answered a couple of people's questions there. They were asking you know the differences between the AK and the Galil. Tandem Dooley asked, "How does?" Newer Galil A stack up against the original. So, what do you guys do to improve upon the already improved upon AK yeah. with the Galil? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the original Galil was a stamp gun as well. Was a stamp gun, correct? No, it was not. I mean, although they did experiment with the uh, uh, stamped and riveted gun, but the original one was milled mil receiver. Was still, still milled. Yep. Yeah. So, haven't done a whole lot of trigger time behind the, the original Galil. Speaking specifically to our Galil from talking with the guys in Israel, uh, it's more robust, way better uh, metals being utilized, whether barrel or receiver system in general. Trigger system's better. Uh, accuracy was a big thing they hit on between the original Galil and the Ace. It's one of the consistent things we hear with uh, the ace, regardless of caliber, is just how how much ac how accurate the weapon system is in general. And then you know we're working on some more updates for a, a next generation of a Galil at some point in the history of the company too. And we're we're hitting some points in areas in which that we take from the end user and uh, apply it here. So Margo might have a better idea than I do, but I don't have a whole lot of trigger time behind it. I thought the original Galil was a stamped gun. 
No, well, you know, I mean, when they, like I said, there was two stages in developing an, uh, the gun and going, uh, actually, you know, preceding the, what actually turned out to be a Galil. And obviously they captured a bunch of the Egyptian brand new, like, a, you know, never, never fired, only dropped once AKMs, which was stamped, stamped <laughs> <Drop> receivers. <once. laughs> Right, and uh, you know, common from uh, from uh, FNFALs, which had a lot of the stamp parts and stuff in it, and they thought that originally the stamped receiver was it. And uh, the initial testing proven that uh, the five uh, five six by forty five cartridge uh, actually had a higher pressures, and then the, so they decided to go with the milled receiver, that of the RK sixty two finish gun. Okay. Very interesting. All right, so FPS Murdoch, that answers your question. It says, does the Galil use a stamped or milled receiver? I've got a couple of 308 questions here, too. It says, how reliable are the 308 Galils? So, I, I can I can help you with that. I have one. Okay. I've had one for about 15 years. They're actually very reliable. I haven't had really any issues with mine. Not super duper accurate, but very accurate. Um, you know, within the 300 yard range, it starts to get pretty wide after 300 meters or so magazines are a huge issue with the 308 galils they're very very hard to find you know so if you've got a 308 galil and you got one mag that's probably all you're going to get um when they do come up for sale they're usually 100 to 150 dollars a piece the wow. issue with that is the magazines are pretty thin so you do have a little bit of feed lip issue as your magazines get used a lot so you know i've had to tweak my feed lips a few times on the mags um and they are proprietary so it's not like you know it's not like a set me mag or an l you know an fnal mag or anything like that it's a proprietary mag um, they're kind of cool though. They have a built-in bipod, which some of the five five six ones do as well. But it does kick like a freaking mule. Um, the stock is not comfortable <laughs> in a three hundred eight platform. I will tell you that. But yeah, as far as reliability, I've I've haven't had any issue with the three hundred eight. And yours would be one of the original glue. No original. Yeah, yeah. So not so a, but speak an, uh, to the the newer three hundred eights, Jeremy. So the new 308 runs SR25 PMAGs, um, any type of AR10 PMAG system uh, that runs SR25 pattern. Um, accuracy has been documented all over written and uh, social right around a minute of angle uh, with match grade ammunition. The barrel in all of our Galils is 3032 CRV Cold Hammer Forged Chrome Line. If you go Google that steel it's basically the ferrari of steel but that's the only thing they can get but also they can't afford a weapon system going down so they put the hardest steel known to man in the weapon system and made it shoot reliable and accurate uh within a given uh circumstance but yeah it does run sr25 p mags or uh, the current one the ace very nice and um i'm assuming that the 308 is is scope safe i mean as far, oh, yeah. as, as far as that, it's going to hold zero. Oh, yeah. What well, about... I mean, go ahead, Marco. The, uh, you know, the, uh, what's it called, Gullots sniper rifle? Yep. I mean, sniper rifle. Uh, also, I mean, wielded not only by the Israeli Defense Force, but also the Georgians, the Ukrainians, and God only knows whom is there with the sniper units. And then that's in 308, and it's a very accurate piece of hardware. So, and then scoped, obviously, being a sniper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And same thing for the 5.56s. Five, five, I would assume that the, the new ones, no issue with the 
holding zero with the scope? No, um, I haven't seen it with the 7.62 or any of them really holding zero repeatability. I mean, and Jay, like Jason and I said, you know, we, we show up to events that are uh, AK variant style matches and we basically bang head to head and um, I'm constantly taking my top cover off, uh, showing people the internals because they always want to ask, like, how close is this to the original AK and then or the original Galil? But then in the middle of it, after I'm done, like, hey, I got to go shoot a stage and I can't afford to lose zero. But I've done enough on off testing with mine mm-hmm. that I haven't seen any real big POI shifts. Um, but obviously anything is possible at this point. So Navy Vet Patriot wants to know about 80 percent receivers. Uh, is, is that a option hmm. in today's market on the Galils? Not unless it's coming from the U.S. Great. But. It's actually harder for me to import an 80% receiver from Israel or any other country, for that matter, than the complete gun. The U.S. uh, ATF import law has caught on to this whole 80%er. And, I mean, we have machines here, and it would be super easy. It would make our life easier to uh, bring in 80%ers if they were like the, you know, the P80-type systems of the world. But, oh, no, they they have called on to that, and no. Unless it's made here in the U.S., I don't see that happening. And I'll give you an example, and this will probably this is yeah. probably the first time it will be on record. But we built an 8.3, uh, 7.62 by 39, and a 5.56, 8.3-inch 8, 8. barrel, right? The little bitty guy. Yeah. And then we build a 16-inch gun, right? Well, when I was in Israel, I was like, wait, a, like, who thought 8.3 was a good barrel length for 5.56 or even like the 7.62 with, you know, the Draco-type systems? Right. So they've always built a 13-inch, 12.5, 13-inch. And I'm like, let's bring that in. The ATF required a full sample of the 13-inch in, in both calibers, even though the barrel length is right in the middle of what they've already approved simply <laughs> wow. because they wanted to, they wanted to check the point system off. And I'm like, you approved eight, three, you approved 16. I'm in the middle. Why do you need to see it? Right. They've had it for a year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Typical. So, I mean, it's, it's just that hard to get weapon systems in the country, which is why we've started us manufacturing just for the sake of if something does happen repeal or we NFA. can't you know, repeal NFA. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's pretty interesting. But eighty percenters, I just I don't see that happening from us at least. Gotcha. Sergeant B. Sims, he says, which caliber ace pistol is the best caliber? How about the ace rifle calibers? You know, I guess that's a subjective kind of hmm. question, huh? So here's how I've always worded it since I've got here. And Jason, you know, I came from an M4 style company with Armalite when I was there and lived with Jacob and all that when he was at Century. And it was always this AR versus AK in the household. If you do not feel like learning a manual of arms, a new manual arms, or you don't have all of the AK ammunition and magazines buy the 5.56, your transition to the world will be so much easier. If you already have it or you want a new weapon system, get the 7.62 because you're more truer to the to the whole system. Uh, but the 11.5308 thumps, and it's just fun to shoot. <laughs> so if you can feed it, that's the I, I like the 11.5. I shoot both 7.62 and 5.56 in competition. But I do that because there are a lot of the AR guys who are like, I simply just want another rifle, but I don't want another M4. 
but I don't want to buy an AK and have to feed it 762 by 39 and learn a new manual arms. I got you right here. Runs M4 mags. It's tried and true. It runs. There's countries that use it as their primary means of defense. You, here you go. And that's, we're seeing a lot of the AR guys gravitate to that. But, and, and then on the AK guys, the thing that they have, and Jason, I've got your mag somewhere around here. The things that people hate about our guns on the AK side is that skirt, that plastic skirt inhibits thicker magazines from going into the mag well so people are cutting them off which is why KNS just released that plastic delete kit which then allows you to run the US Palm mags type system the thicker waffle mags oh nice so very cool so we've got a lot I of feel, I, I feel kind of insulted over here why is that well because we're all talking about uh, 556 and 762 when it's clearly the 545 is the best caliber for any kind of any, any kind of weapon system is the best caliber devised by mankind the, the neglected yeah we'll we'll have a 545 system for you soon all right all Let's right just get caught up from all these this craziness that's happening right now. <laughs> look, look, look. <laughs> see i had to bring it up i had to bring it up you guys like definitely sitting on it and hiding it. is that something we can say Jeremy, what's that is that something we can say what is it when you just showed is us it, is it for a wide uh, audience or? israel israel's always made them it's just a matter of if you know i mean yeah i mean at the end of the day um we we're i think everybody's racing for five four five right now which i it's great i think it's awesome but Israel, Israel's always made them. So it exists I, in the uh, Galil. I, yeah, and then I brought some in just to kind of feel it out and see how they run. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I had never shot 5.45 until I we got here. And I was like, well, that's a really nice shooting caliber in general. Uh, and ammunition's becoming more readily available. And from what I gather, the dudes who were about 5.45 have freaking garages full of it. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, it, yeah, it used to be, you know, the sur surplus ammo used to flow, flow over here like a, I don't know, just like a, you know, mana from the sky, so to speak. And it was so cheap. And uh, ever since they banned that round for importation, I'm talking about uh, the uh, sur surplus round. Yeah. The M 505 ammo still remained uh, much cheaper than 223. Yeah. You know, it's still a cheap round to shoot. It's uh, it will reach out and touch someone. And uh, what about magazines? You guys gonna have your proprietary five four five magazines or? No. So the reason why I have it uh, to go in the detail with it is that I did not like the reason why we've never been able to bring them in the country is because of the proprietary magazine. I can't bring in magazines outside the country. That's part of my nine twenty two R type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I sent a hundred. AK-74 mags to Israel uh, from Magpul and had them tune the weapon system around that mag. And then when I got the weapon system back, I contacted some partners within the industry because I don't own any 545, but I wanted the Bakelite mags and all that other type, all the already mags that are out there. And I wanted to get those to make sure that this ran in the weapon system. And I mean, I, we, have, we haven't had any issues. I, I have um, a good number of all type of 5.5 magazines. If you ever need them, just let me know. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
uh, I'll get your contact information. And uh, we're just looking for any type of information as possible. Like right now, um, Scott from RS Regulate has got one of our one of the five four fives because uh, he's got a ton of mags too. And he's I'm like, hey, dude, beat this thing up. Tell me where we need to make adjustments. And he sent me a text over the weekend that said that it's chewed up and spit up everything he's put in it, and it's running every magazine. So I think nice. we're on the right path here. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It was we didn't want to run proprietary magazine systems. Uh, mainly because we could never get it in the country. Uh, fortunately, Magpul has the AK-74 mag now, uh, and um, yeah, we're off to the ra- they're off and running with it. Um, the original plan was to uh, my plan was I was going to show up to one of these AK events with 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 it and be like, "Hey, here we have it. How are y'all?" Um, what, what about Sentry guys? And then what's what type of gun is going to be? Is it going to take a proprietary magazine or, or it's going to feed off a regular 545 AK mag? Uh, our gun will feed off a regular 545 AK mag. Uh, most likely, uh, you know, the uh, the mag pole would be the one that would, would come with it. And then later on, you know, we, we do have our own mag company. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we can, we can work on things like that. Um, I can tell you, you know, for the for the guys, you know, out there that that used to remember kind of the heydays with the with the the seven and six and all the five four five by thirty nine just kind of flowing in the country, as you were saying, um, you know, we get we get people that are they're really hardcore five four five by thirty nine guys and they're just screaming for an AK seventy four, and then on the other side of the fence, I get I get guys who will tell me, uh, you know, I, I would I would like one of those guns, but there's just there you know there's no ammo for it, and. With Red Army Standard, I mean, the primary source of, of steel-cased ammunition you know, in the U.S. coming from overseas is, is Russia. There's numerous factories there. We bring in millions of rounds of 545 whenever we want. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. So whether whether we put it on a rolling schedule of, you know, every three months we bring want. a container in, we, well, we could get it is, is the point. You know, it's not, there's no shortage of 545 ammo. Uh, right. So, and it's, it's pretty much the same price as uh, – it's right in, in market price with the steel case 760 by 39 and steel case 223. Um, we actually currently carry it. Um, we have it in stock with our in our red box, which is our, our better premium brand, which is the lacquer case, sealed bullet, sealed primer. Um, and uh, yeah, we sell a ton of it. Um, not as much as we would if we more people had 545 systems on the market. But um, once people start getting those systems on the market, we'll definitely be increasing what we bring in. So yeah, so, there, there's not going to be a shortage of 545. Well, I think, right, like it's, you know, you all have a 545 in development. I saw that at SHOT Show. Um, mm-hmm. We have our ACE that are that we've built for years, and we're going to do, we're, we're working on doing that. Um, Kalishnikov USA said they're trying to bring online a 545. And then Palmetto State Armory said they're working on a 545. So it's literally Has a race. Has even brought an AK to market yet? I, 40, 760? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, a rhetorical question. Yeah, no, I'm just. <laughs> it, it, it feels like it, it's almost feels like a Nirvana five four five Nirvana. But the thing is, uh, I'm just waiting for somebody to make a, a AR platform that would accept the AK magazines for five four five. Yeah, I'm surprised that CMMG with the Banshee hasn't done that already. Oh, it was sure such coming. a natural move from seven six two. Yeah, it wouldn't be a huge leap. No, it wouldn't. I don't know all. what the demand would be for it, but I don't think it would be a huge leap. I'll well, buy it. I'll buy at least three. I can tell them as that. As long as the ammo is well, accessible, if you buy three of them, they'll only be twenty grand it'll be a piece. Fine. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I've even considered having Israel chamber me a a uh, Galil three hundred eight 
our new one, the Ace with the SR25, uh, in like an 18 inch barrel and 6.5 Creed, just because it runs oh, awesome. SR25 P mags. It would should be a super transition, you, you know, super easy transition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just one of those things, right? Is like where where do you go with it next? And um, it seems like people that seems are, a logical step is the the five four five, especially in yeah in these rifles. So let's go to our next question. This comes from John Adams, uh, the third. He says, "What are some of the differences between building an AK and Galil?" From a parts kit, do I need any different tools for the Galil than I would an AKM? So a majority of the AKs that are in the country in the way of kits and being built here, AKMs, just a, the stamp receiver AKM. So it's different for a milled receiver type of gun. So all the, the Galils that I've seen that came into the United States as a kid, uh, they were of a, a milled receiver variety. So obviously you're going to need totally different, um, well, A, receiver, B, totally different tooling and jigs and stuff. So it would be different. different. But other than that, once you attach the, uh, the, the barrel to like an AK case to the churnian and then rivet it to the, uh, the receiver, and then in the case with Galil, you uh, attach the, the or pressed in. I'm not sure if it's pressed in or threaded in barrel into the um into the um, milled receiver. After that, you know, it goes together relatively similar, as far yep. as the as far as the uh, the trigger group is concerned, and uh, all the moving parts. So our gun is pressed slash threaded. Hmm. When it goes okay. when the barrel goes in, um, Daniel Fisher down there in Texas told me that removing a Galil barrel might be the single hardest thing that he's ever had to do. Uh, cause it is, it's in there with some force. Yeah. Putting it in, having taken apart a few AKs a little bit there, there is no rivet. There is no barrel pin. I mean, you're, it's got wrench flats on there and you got to hold that. Uh, Daniel told me he had, uh, the AK action wrench type thing about 12 tons holding the, holding the barrel still an eight foot and an eight foot breaker bar and two 200 pound grown men bouncing on it to get it to break <laughs> loose. And, and once it broke loose, it, it was great, but, uh, it's in there. It ain't coming out. Um, a lot of people have asked us like, Hey, if I shoot my gun out, how do I replace the barrel? And, uh, it's one of the projects we're working on now is, uh, we can get re-export temporary re-export back to Israel. And they've got the jigs and the machines to break that barrel out of the receiver. But once you do it, so they put the barrel into the receiver and then it goes into a jig and they drill the gas port. So, um, headspace and all that set set at that point. So, so that's what it would have to do is go back to Israel, a replacement of the barrel. And then, um, from there they would, they would, uh, drill your gas port, um, recode it and send it back to us. Yeah, it doesn't so. sound like it's going to be a very friendly uh, home build. <laughs> no, I, I would I would venture to say not. Right. All right, we'll do our last question here. Uh, this comes from email. This is uh, Thomas C., and it's just kind of a, I guess, uh, your own opinion kind of thing here. Galils, like many others, are an attempt to improve the AK-47. Seems like makers want to find the perfect AR-AK hybrid. Is that the right answer? Who wants to take that? I have my few cents. What's your opinions on that, Marco? 
Okay, so uh, when you talk about improving uh, one particular platform, you have to think about not just improvement, but uh, you have to consider that designers and developers developers of firearms have their militaries, their respective militaries' needs in mind. So when they go and they make a change to a design, they they do it because their military asking for it. This, this is what they're accustomed to, what they trained on, and so on and so on. That's why if you take uh, AK-47 platform and there's several um, so-called improvements programs been kind of instituted to improve on the gun. So obviously one of them was the Valmet, uh, the Finnish Valmet. One of them was the Galil. And the other one was the AKM, for example, right? Or the Russian or the Soviet way that the way they went about improving it. So it really and truly, it might be an improvement to a one military. It might be the detriment to another, so to speak. So to say that, um, uh, let's say the, um, let's say AK-103, you know, for the, or AK-74M, is lesser of a gun than uh, the latest version of not not the ace per se but let's say uh, the original galil newer version of it uh, or or vomit uh, what is it m uh, now um, uh, 95 or whatever that the new vari variation of it is one of them better than the other you got to ask what the the military that particular military prefers one of them would say, oh, man, I don't know which hand the bullet comes out of this thing because I'm accustomed to uh, handling it and, uh, and uh, you know, operating it with this particular layout or configuration. And the other one say, well, I totally disagree. So you, you got to look at it that way. So uh, whether it's improved, um, I don't know, the ergonomics maybe uh, on the, uh, for some you know, obviously the thumb safety or, or, or you got the rail on it, but then. I think what his know, question that, is, his question is, do you think that, that trying to combine an AK and an, an AR together is the right way to go? I think that's what they're. Well, you know, well, philosophically, yeah, course, is that of, what. Of course, yeah. of, of course, yes, but you're not really combining uh, in Galil, you're not really combining the AK and AR, as far as the operating system is concerned, mm -hmm. it still remains the long stroke AK system, and and uh, and the other one is the uh, uh, direct impingement, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not you're not combining or making the hybrid of it, or sort of like a well, some people made the ARs, the piston operated ARs, but the in the, in this case. Uh, what you're doing is you, you're talking about ergonomic layout and configuration of the gun. And I would be, uh, you know, being a collector and kind of like a, I can't say that I'm an AK Puritan per se, but, uh, but I say absolutely yes, combine. If you can combine, put some features like the, uh, the Picatinny rails or AMLOCK uh, attachments and things like that on the gun so you can use universal universally accepted uh, accessories yeah why the hell not uh and, and it's been done right the ak-12 now is came out and you can ba basically take a standard ak and modernize it and uh, of course the galils the new modern galils already got all this stuff on 
But what I'm saying is you're not really combining the AR and AK in the sense of a system, a hybrid system. Yeah, but you not with, not with the Galil, but there are there are ones out there that try to combine features of the AK with the AR, like the CMMG Mutant is one. Uh, Palmetto State Armory really, has has kind of tried to do one similar to that. But that doesn't really combine the two. All they're doing is taking it to use that magazine. It's not the system that's combining. Right, they're just exactly. Taking AR to take an AK mag. The system is still pure AR. But yes. but, the, but, but it's not really combined. But I think the the uh, the question was more about um, making uh, the AK more AR like in the way of accepting yeah, I think accessories. That's probably what it is, yeah. And making it more like a modular modular yeah. uh, gun. Where uh, the newest A series of uh, Galils, are basically an answer to that. So it, it's got all the mounting points that you need for any kind of optics uh, lights whatever whatever what have you yeah mm -hmm. so i guess that yeah i think that. yeah in that way you know we're kind of living in the uh in the heyday uh now of uh you know being able to do stuff to your ak i mean even even 10 years ago there was just nowhere near the amount of stuff that you can you can modify your AK with to, to make it you know quote more AR like I mean you can go out you've got you know different handguards with M lock key mod whatever you want from you know in various lengths from fifty different manufacturers you can get you know a US palm grip for it you can you can put a side rail on it you can put a Texas weapons system for a Picatinny rail on the top you can extend your 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 sighting system back you can you know you can put on the kind of crank style uh, sight you can put a hinge dust cover I mean there's there's a ton you can do and then you look at something like at, like jeremy's gun the, the galil ace that that some of that stuff is you know you're you know as he was saying he was showing people how similar the guns are the ak operating system and bolt and and piston you know, carrier all that type stuff but then you've got some some features that are more ar like like the you know the uh it's a safety system and the uh you know the, the dust cover uh pick rail and and the hand guards and, and all that stuff flash hider yeah the sights. Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the day, right, like, and, you, and people can say what they want, but the general population wants to be the garage gunsmith. So if you can make it user-friendly to put whatever they choose to put on there, which the M4 is the most widely world-accepted weapon system, probably, so the, the vast amount of product that you could put on there, let's face it, Americans want to put everything we can on a weapon system so giving them that ability or other governments that ability is what's going to drive innovation across every weapon system regardless if it's of an ak or an ar so i think it's only going to do good things overall for the ak community and uh driving and just overall driving innovation i mean if you went to shot show which y'all have five years ago you didn't see a whole lot of product i mean my booth was directly behind when i was at armalite and surgeon of jason at century and they were arguably the only ones with ak style weapon systems this year you have a lot more people and you have a lot more focus on the ak system uh because there's people looking at how can we uh cross contaminate while keeping true to the operating system. And that's what Marco is saying is that the heart and soul of the Galil Ace is still the original AK system. We're just surrounding the outer shell 
with more user-friendly type systems of that. I mean, Magpul didn't go out there and develop all those parts for the AK simply because, oh, we thought this was a good idea. They thought it was like, well, the vast majority of people want to put something else on their weapon system and nobody's making parts for it. So let's, rather than, we don't build rifles, we build accessories, we'll make the accessory. Whereas now the rifle world is saying, okay, how can we cross-contaminate these two and go from there? Yeah, yeah, great point. All right, so um, anything else that you guys think our listeners need to know about the Galil before we uh, do our giveaway, Jason? I would say come, good, to a, come, come, to an, come to an event, Kalash Bash, Red October, you name it, run them. You know, if we go to an event, we bring the machine guns with us, so everybody loves shooting machine guns, brings the boys to the yard. I get it. Um <laughs> Run them. Tell me what you think. If you have a buddy, grab one and shoot it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. You know, like your I local said, I range. Some of them have rental programs like Royal Range USA. They've got Galils there that you can rent and go and go yep. shoot there. For sure. And I mean, uh, go try it. Give it a shot. I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to go wrong choosing quality AK weapon systems in general. So pick the one you want. Go from there. And uh, like I said, if you see us at an event, come by and say say hey. And hey, I, I saw I talk, I heard I, I heard listen to you on on the cast here. So and give it a shot. I mean, I I I, I was before I came to IWI, I had one AK, and and I lived with a Jacob, so I had I had an opportunity to get as many as I wanted. Uh, and even prior to that, I was I was a buyer for Century, so I bought a lot of Century products when I was in distribution. I have since purchased a lot more Galils and I have a new appreciation for not only the history of the AK and the Galil, but also just how robust the system is. I was Very that cool. guy, AK versus M4, like let's beat heads and let's go to war. Now it's like, I understand both sides of the argument and it's really a user preference. I mean, that's just kind of how I feel now. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you after, you know, uh, shooting so much and being out at demos and, and all that with with AKs and having run them you know since basically I was a, I was a kid and then uh, you know practicing with them so much uh, I pick up an AR now and I, I feel oh, I'm out of my element I, I'm looking for where stuff is it doesn't you know I couldn't do it with my eyes closed you know it's just <laughs> what what you, what you get used to and and then your uh, you know your muscle memory yeah what about you Marco well I mean obviously I'm the AK guy and AK-74 is my thing, you know. However, I'm one of those guys is like a, I also move with times, so uh, it has to be uh, has to be improved, meaning all the the outer shell of it, so I can use the accessories that are also used in the ARs. But I'm also an AR guy, so uh, I'm thinking the gun is just a just a tool in your toolbox, uh, and if you decide to run one particular platform, you got to learn it. You gotta own it. It's gotta make. It's gotta become extension of you and stuff. Whether it's AR, AK, and and then in in Galil, if you um, it's something that is um, taken sort of like a robust, solid thing, and then modernize it and bring it to a twenty first century. This is the this is the other thing. So it's um, like I said. I mean, uh, doesn't matter what you shoot. Just make sure you shoot it a lot. You learn it little quirks and little uh, idiosyncrasies, and uh, and uh, you know, just be trained on it in case you ever have to uh, use it. 
but like I said, you know, it's now it's a uh, sort of like you go out there and you can you can pick an AR, you can pick an AK, and then uh, if you want both, you know, both best of both worlds, you can pick a Galil. You know, so um, just like uh, Jeremy said, go out there, shoot them, shoot them, shoot them, and uh, and you know, and see what see what it uh, if it talks back to you, and if it does, <laughs> it talks back to you, like and the, yeah, and if it, it does, then buy it. Then, then, <laughs> does it right, speak then, to you? Buy it. All right, then buy it. Drew, AK's rule: everything else sucks. <laughs> I will have to say that you know, since I started this series uh, last year. Uh, and that was the whole point is I didn't know anything about AKs. I wanted to learn more about them just, you know, on a personal level. So I thought, hey, why not just do a podcast on it? So ever since then, my AKs have outnumbered my ARs uh, quite handily. So <laughs> I love, I love, I still love my ARs, but man, the AKs, there's just, there's just something about them. I mean, I don't know, the history, you know, the rich history that's behind them. And then, of course, you get into the variants like the Galil. And it just adds a whole other element to, um, you know, as a collector, you know, if you're a collector, the collectability of it and just being a gun guy, you know. And I tell you here, working for IWI, I, it's the, the AK community is just like the bullpup community. You either love them or you hate them. Well, there is no real middle ground. So, like, you either like an AK or you're like pound sand. I'm going this route. But the, the bullpup community is the exact same way. They're like piss on a ARs. I'm going with this bullpup, and I'm like, it's great. <laughs> I don't really have an opinion here. So. See, I, I always say one thing to those guys, to bullpup lovers. I said, uh, you know, it's easy to change the magazine, right? And bullpup, just reach it right here. Now do it prone. Yeah. So and the conversation kind of dwindles down to nothing. Well, I like my bullpups too. Got my Keltec RDB uh, seventeen there with the new Defender Whoa. furniture on it. So let's let's give some shit away. How about we do that? So, Jason, tell them what we're giving away today, and and talk about it. Yeah, uh, so US Palm is, is committed to uh, to innovating. You know, all things uh, AK uh, in terms of uh, you know furniture, our mags, uh, uh, grips, and all that. Uh, we love to come out with you know j different colors, different different stuff for you guys to, to customize. So one of the things that we'll be coming out with very soon, and the and the first person to get some will be the whoever wins on uh, on the on the show here is uh, US Palm Polycarb Translucent Magazines. Nice. So not only can you see your round count, they're also just cool. They're just cool. So yeah. rule just one, cool. look just, cool. Just for this, yeah. Absolutely. Just for the sake of being cool, they're they're really nice. Uh, you know, we Jeremy and I were going back and forth about the competitions and stuff. Um, I I haven't been out uh, to one with these. I have I have shot a, a ton of ammo through them now that we've been testing them. Uh, they run just as well as the other U.S. Palm mags. They're they're probably actually more durable, is what we're finding. The plastic just just is that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but for competitions. Um, I could see, you know, we go from stage to stage and we have to top off our mags and figure out, you know, which ones are full and which ones aren't and all that. This is this is going to be real good for that for me, for sure. So, yeah, there you go. Cool. You saw it first on Talking Lead. So we're giving away five of those. Is that right? Sure. And uh, are they all going to one person or are we divvying up five different people? You, you can do it however you want. Well, your show. We'll we'll let uh, we'll let. Drew and and Jeremy and Marco, what do you vote on? One Give person? all five to the kids. 
Spread the love. Yeah, I agree. Spread the love. Spread the love. Okay, very cool. I'm tired of being on here with you, Marty, and it's going to take forever to draw five names. No, it's going to be quick. (laughs) It's going to be quick because Marco Marco's going to pull up a random number generator on his uh, Google there. All right, good. How do I do that? Just go to Google. Okay. Random number generator. So I have to take me out of it. I've got to take uh, Drew and uh, Jason out of it. So, Jeremy, you could do it too, but you're on your phone, I guess. So. I am. I can just give you a number if you want. Well, I've got one through 11, and I'm going to go through while Marco's doing his thing. And right. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Generate. Okay, not Ready? yet. Not yet. So, Mustang Perry is number one. Tandem Dooley is number two. And these are the people who submitted our questions that we read today. Navy Vet Patriot is three. Giddy Up is four. FPS Murdoch is five. Thomas C. is six. Uh, what's this name? S.D. the Unwoke is seven. John Adams is eight. Sergeant Sims is nine. Jerry Black is ten. And Jay Allen is eleven. So one through eleven, we're going to do it five times, and that's going to be our five winners. So go, Marco. What's our first number? Four. Number four. Four. So Giddy Up gets one of those awesome new U.S. Palm Mags. Next number. Okay. Next number. Six. Six. Thomas C. Thomas C. Next. Next number is number 10. Jerry Black. JB. Next one. That's three. We got two more. Next number is five. Five. FPS Murdoch. All right, one more. It's again 10. So All right, should so I hit one more, yeah. Do it again. Yep. And it's again 5. All right. And it's 8. 8. Okay, all right. Looks like this is John Adams. There we go. There's our five winners. And you guys shoot me an email, talkinglet at gmail.com with your contact information. I'll forward that over to Jason, and uh, he'll make sure that you guys get one of those awesome mags there. Uh, I'm going to send my address, too, because I want one, too. Those things are awesome. I want one, too, Marty. Do you not got one yet, either? (laughs) All right, guys, there you go. Uh, Congratulations to our winners, and I hope you learned something today. If you have any additional questions, shoot me an email, talkinglet at gmail.com. If you got suggestions for uh, upcoming episodes, this this is eight. And we're, we're doing 12, so we've only got, how many is that, three more left? Three more episodes? 12, that would be four, Marty. Four more episodes left uh, of the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2. So get your suggestions on guests, topics that you want us to talk about, and we'll do our best to make that happen. And uh, thanks to Century Arms for being the presenting sponsors this year of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Guys have been awesome. Appreciate you bringing something new and exciting to the show every episode. Uh, our supporting sponsors, Occam Defense Solutions. I've got my ODS supposed to be in tomorrow, Drew. So uh, we're going to go to Royal Range and pick that up tomorrow. And uh, I'll be doing videos and picks, and we'll do uh, we'll get Brian on to talk about the new ODS seventeen seventy five. Their AK uh, forty seven that they've got. Uh, and then, of course, U.S. Palm and Red Army Standard. So go show our our sponsors some love. 
And uh, they're showing it back to you guys by giving you cool gifts and giveaways every episode. We gave away a Canic last regular episode of Talking Lead. So we've given away two Canic pistols. This one's yours, Drew. I've still got it. <laughs> um, we've given away two of those, so you never know what you're going to win here on the Talking Lead podcast. A big thanks to our guest today, uh, Jeremy. Damn it, man. I know I kept you from your call. I hope you didn't get in trouble for that, but... This has been fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on and representing IWI. Hey, thanks. They'll get over it if I. It is what it is. It's part of the deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you allowing me to get on here, Jason. Thanks for the invite, buddy. Open anytime to get on the chat, and anytime we can, man. Feel free. You have my contact information, so uh, awesome. reach out. Yeah, going to going to be in touch. And you guys just go to their website, which is www.iwi.us. Uh, and of course, you're on all the social meds. W, uh, IWI.us for pretty much everything. Very so, cool. Very cool. Oh, yeah, we'd appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're still in our infant stage here in the U.S., but still rapidly growing. And, and Marco, I know you've got uh, – we were talking at SHOT Show earlier this year. I know you had a lot of things in the in the hopper. What all you got going on? And talk about your books, too, that you've got out. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're working on actually setting up um, sort of like a um, – U.S. clearinghouse for uh, Russian-made ammo, and that's going to launch this summer um, sometime around July. So we're working, kind of working on that. We're working on bringing a lot of the PPE, the personal protection equipment into the United States right now. Cool. Um, uh, all certified and um, none of that uh, fake stuff from China. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You I mean, that fake it. stuff from China is what gives us the COVID, right? They lace it with It's definitely not protecting us, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> then again, you know, it's uh, all this mask-wearing thing. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to expand. I'm going to just... Uh, Anyway, but uh, yeah, two books if you're anybody interested in uh, learning about the, uh, everything there is to know about AK from uh, a point of inception to uh, modern days. Uh, these two books will cover you. Uh, one of them is um, Gun Digest Shooter's Guide to an AK. It's more of a practical guide and both of them available on Amazon. Just, uh, you know, plug in Marco Vorobiev and you'd, um, you'd get both of them. And it's basically deals with everything from malfunctions to uh, maintenance to how to carry, how to aim, how to sight it in, and so on and so on. And uh, variants uh, and uh, the how to modify it and modernize it. And the other one is uh, called the AK-47 Survival and Evolution of the World's Most Prolific Gun. It's actually also done by Gun Digest, but it's an uh, unusual format. It's kind of large, and for the first time, they actually tried to do uh, color. Well, they did the color, color photographs. There's a bunch of them in there. So I got and really good reviews on that book because you gave that one away to one of our listeners uh, last year, and he sent me an email. I meant to get in touch with you about that, raving about how much he uh, enjoyed that book. Yeah, because I go, I didn't go back to 1943 or uh, whatever. I went to 1906. That's where the idea of uh, yeah, you of did some deep diving. Yeah, yeah, sure did. I went to uh, um, kind of into archives and stuff to get the uh, the actual information, what transpired and how it happened. And unbelievable that gun gun actually still survived. I mean, it was constantly under 
under attack by other designers, by other concepts, and it actually persevered. So, and um, that's about it. So I really enjoyed being on your uh, podcast, and uh, I well, appreciate we enjoy the having you on all the time, buddy. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, maybe we can get you on again one of these upcoming ones uh, if you're down with it. Sure, absolutely. Love to do it. Very cool. And Century Arms, uh, other than U.S. Palm, that mag, what do you guys got going on? Oh, we're working on a, a lot of gun projects. Obviously, uh, you know, with what's going on in the world right now is uh, has done a, a doozy on us uh, in in twofold. Uh, you know, smaller places that are that are helping us work on uh, uh, development for parts and things like that are are somewhat uh, shut down. And then the others, uh, you know, including our own factory, are running 100% full bore uh, because uh, sales uh, with with the uh, the pandemic have been uh, unprecedented and continue to be. Yeah. So we're we're scrambling to make guns as, up as to fast up, as possible. Right? Yep. And uh, people, man, when uh, when you know the kind of the shit hits the fan like this, uh, people know about you know AK's uh, you know reliability and, and ruggedness and all that. And, and it's that's been a huge uh, huge hit for you know kind of first time gun gun guys go out there and look up something and say what's the most reliable gun you know in the world and that's what comes up. There you go. And uh, where can our listeners send their applications for you guys hiring for all this work that needs to be done? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if they're in Bur- in the Burlington Vermont area, we would definitely like to talk. To I'm you. sure you would get inundated with uh, with applications. Yeah. No doubt. Yep, centuryarms.com. We are hiring. There you go. Very cool. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Marco, Jeremy, Jason, Drew, I'll see you in the next couple of days. We're gonna we're gonna have some some time out at Royal Range coming up. So all right guys, that does it for another episode of the Tongland AK Corner. Make sure that you go and support those that support and sponsor the Talking Lead Podcast. And show them some love on their social meds, on their websites. And the best way to do it is go to your local gun range, gun dealer, and buy their products. So until next episode, guys. Ma Nishma. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Later. Take thank cool. you. Guys, thank you so much. Bye. That was awesome. Great show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. <laughs>